Welcome to the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. When Kevin gives the word, be prepared to call in to 865-243-TALK. That's 865-243-8255. Now, Kevin Ray. Well, welcome into the Housing Hour. My name is Kevin Ray, your host, and uh, this show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, wow, what a what a day for a radio show right during the Tennessee-Kentucky game. It's now in the second half, and those of you who are joining me, you must be very big fans of the Housing Hour. So thank you for coming in. And we do have an exciting show, actually. We have uh, Senator Bob Corker uh, stopping by to talk a little bit about Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. We have Randy Thomas. He is a uh, praiser, but also has a real... Uh, you know, involvement in housing. Um, he's been on uh, the the uh, housing committees and also with the um, construction committees, and he's got a lot of knowledge when it comes to housing. So he was also on on that panel that I've talked about a couple of times over the last couple of weeks that I was able to listen to at the housing summit in Nashville. And he was on there with the Mortgage Bankers Association president, also the Home Builders Association president, and it was himself and a couple of other people. And they just shared their thoughts about housing and you know what they thought the future was going to be and, and kind of just went into great detail about what they felt the problem was. And we'll talk a little bit more later in the hour about that. Um, but first of all, I wanted to first start the show off by kind of setting for you the interview with uh, Senator Corker. Um, First of all, I want to thank him so much for coming in because, you know, it's it's one of those situations where, like I talked last week, these are the folks that are, are shaping the housing market, the rules that we have, uh, that transaction for you, whether it's you're purchasing a home, refinancing a home, um, anything that has to do with you and your house from the financing perspective Senator Corker is going to be very influential because, first of all, he's a senator, which is obviously a big deal. But secondly, he's also um, on the Senate Banking Committee. So, you know, it all starts with that committee committee when it goes to bringing legislation. And, you know, some of you might have heard, but recently this week he has introduced a, uh, a bill that would basically phase out Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac over the next 10 years. Um, and, you know, it's getting quite a bit of buzz because it is a pretty good bill, actually. Um, the bill has, uh, you know, a lot of uh, things to be worked out on it. There's certainly, you know, a lot of things that need to be, you know, revised, in my opinion. But I think that, you know, the, the shell of the bill so far looks promising with bipartisan support and getting people to, you know, think about it and, you know, bring their views to it. I think I think it could possibly be good. It's definitely better than what the Dodd-Frank bill currently has. And for those of you that are listening in that might not know some of these terms that I'm talking about, I, I, I apologize. So I'll try to, to set what exactly it is I'm talking about. But Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae, what that organization is, um, that organization was started long time ago. It was started way, way, way back in 1938. And the reason it was started is because um, as a part of uh, Franklin Roosevelt's 
new deal to try to, you know, establish, you know, a new housing market and try to, you know, bring liquidity to the secondary market so that people could get home loans. They started this, this organization. And, and over the, the, the next couple of decades, it was, it, it only dealt at that time with VA, FHA loans, ho- loans that are basically, um, you know, government, you know, backed loans. But 1970, um, which you know was was quite a long time ago as well. They authorized basically Fannie Mae to purchase private mortgages. So those were the, those were mortgages that are not insured by FHA or VA. You know those are the loans that are you know the the loans that you would go out if you had twenty percent to put down. You know if you were going out right now and you were putting twenty percent down, you've you've owned several homes. Then now they were able to purchase your loan. So that started in nineteen seventy. Now. You know, to give you an idea, you know, in 1970, you know, the housing market, my, my father was actually a builder. And in, in the 70s and even the late 70s, you know, there was a point where mortgage rates just went so high. Uh, you know, my father was building spec homes and, you know, we're talking about 17%. You know, it's hard to get somebody to sign in on something with a 17% interest rate. But you know, you build a quality home and, you know, you, you, you have your, your niche and, you know, he was able to survive for some time, but when they got up to 17, 18%, that was nearly impossible to, to actually, you know, overcome. So to, to make a long story short, you know, we went through several periods where it was very successful and the liquidity was there. People were making their payments, but you know, and, and I'd be happy to, to debate this with anybody if they'd like to call in two, four, three talk, because I don't have a monopoly on knowledge or understanding. I'm just looking at my research and what I've looked into. But basically what happened was, you know, sometime around 1999, you know, President Clinton, he had some other things going on, of course, but, um, you know, he wanted to get uh, more inner city areas, more low income areas to have the opportunity to get a home. So, you know, what he did was he put pressure on Fannie Mae and said, look, guys, we have to get these numbers up. And first of all, Fannie Mae's always had a requirement to have a certain percentage of their portfolio to be inner city, low income housing, certain places. So they've always been under pressure to loan, but that pressure was even turned up higher in 1999 when then President Clinton, you know, was trying to get them to to do even more. So, you know, and, and there was a New York Times article in 1999, uh, make sure I give the guy credit, Nassim Taleb, uh, and it was called the Black Swan. If you Google that, you can find it. But here's a quote from that, and and we're going to go to break here in a couple of minutes. But I wanted to get this out so that you know when my my interview starts with Senator Corker, you'll have something that you'll know what we're talking about. Um, this is the quote from that Black Swan article in 1980, I believe it was. Um, it said the the sponsored the government sponsored institution Fannie Mae. When I look at the risks, it seems to be sitting on a barrel of dynamite vulnerable to the slightest hiccup but not to worry their large staff of scientists deemed these events unlikely well we know what happened in 2008 so we have the opportunity to look through that lens that we already know it it, the dynamite went off in 2008 but he went on to say and this was actually mike mike slathis who was involved in this article, I assume. He also warned about the risks of Fannie Mae triggering the financial crisis in America's, in, in America's financial district. 
with close to two trillion in debt between Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae alone. Now it's five trillion. So they were warning us way back even then that there was going to be an issue. People felt like there was when there was more pressure, you know, on Fannie Mae. I'm not saying that they're you know not to be blamed certainly, but something has to be done. We have to unwind them. There's something that that needs to be done. So. So Senator Corker's come out with this bill and, you know, we're going to talk to him about it because, you know, what are we going to do with them? That's one of my questions. I mean, how are we going to do this responsibly? You know, there's a lot of questions that people are going to have for this bill, but I do think that it is on a good footing because the QRM, which I can talk about later, but the qualified residential mortgage, he's stepping away from that language. He's stepping into something a little bit more practical. And I'll talk about that. You're listening to The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, sponsored by, presented by Mortgage Investors Group. We'll be right back. Clearly, your best choice for news talk. 100.3 WNOX. When choosing a company to handle your home financing, you want a great rate and someone you can trust. Tennesseans turn to Mortgage Investors Group, named Tennessee's number one THDA lender eight years running. Homegrown right here in the Volunteer State and with 15 Tennessee locations, Mortgage Investors Group takes a consultative approach to the lending process, finding a program specific to your needs. For more information, call toll-free 800-489-8910 or visit MIGonline.com. Mortgage Investors Group, your home loan solution, serving Tennessee for the past 22 years. Tennessee Mortgage License Number 726. Mortgage Investors Group is an equal housing lender. At Title Associates of Knoxville, we are all about you. You, the buyer, the seller, the real estate agent, or the lender. Hi, I'm Sue Benson, owner of Title Associates. In today's real estate market, it is more important than ever to have a title company with experience, a company you can trust, and one that conducts business with you in mind. Our staff has been serving Knoxville and surrounding counties for over 20 years with timely, attentive service. We are constantly updating and re-educating ourselves to ensure the best possible service to our customers. At Title Associates, we are proud to be a part of this community, a community that has remained positive during the downturn of the economy and a community that will recover with an even stronger real estate market. If you're buying, selling, or refinancing, our staff promises to make your closing a pleasant one. If you're a real estate agent looking for excellent customer service, give us a call, 777-1040, or visit our website at tanox.com. Title Associates, your choice and the right choice. In November, a portion of Title Associates' closing fees are donated to Second Harvest Food Bank. When Chrissy Ray and Chuck Tonkin founded Mortgage Investors Group in 1989 with a team of seven, the idea was simple. Help people realize the American dream. 22 years later, Mortgage Investors Group was the number one independent lender in the state of Tennessee. They've served over 60,000 clients, over $9 billion in loans, which means a lot of American dreams have been realized. But they've kept the small personal feel of a hometown company. And their people... They are advisors, not just loan officers. Right now, mortgage rates are at a historic low, and Mortgage Investors Group can help you realize your American dream. Call today. They'll help you. 865-691-8910 or MIGonline.com. With six area offices, there's a Mortgage Investors Group near you. Go to MIGonline.com for the one near you. 691-8910. Mortgage Investors Group, an equal housing lender. Visit MIG. Online.com and realize your American dream today. 
Chuck Ward here. Did I mention I want to help you fix your house? Join Chuck Ward every Saturday from 10 to 11 with Fix It or Flip It with Chuck Ward, where Chuck breaks down the ins and outs of home renovation and the real estate market. So whether you're fixing your home or flipping it, this is the show for you. That's Fix It or Flip It with Chuck Ward, Saturdays 10 to 11 on 100.3 WNOX. Did I mention I want to help you fix your house? The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. And we're back here in the Housing Hour, uh, sponsored by Mortgage Investors Group. I'm Kevin Ray, your host. And we have Senator Corker with us. Senator Corker, thank you so much for joining me. Kevin, good to be with you. Yes. And uh, you had quite a bit of news last week when you introduced a bill about Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae. And I've kind of gone over it and looked through it. Um, and I really like what I'm reading. I, I like some of the, the highlights that, that you've went over and some of the interviews that I've heard you give. Um, I've got a couple of questions about it. We, I also work at Mortgage Investors Group and I have this weekend show. We're the number one independent lender in the whole state. And we are the number one FHA and VA lender also. So we have a big footprint in this state. Um, in, the right. bill, in, in the bill that you put forward, um, I guess what, the one thing that I wanted to talk to you about, it unwinds Fannie and Freddie responsibly over 10 years. You know, let me just ask you like this. How are we going to replace them? So right now, you know, private uh, mortgage investors are on strike. And, uh, you know, obviously the market has created so much uh, uh lack of predictability for them. They just have quit buying uh, private mortgages. And so what what the bill does is wind Fannie and Freddie down over a 10-year period. And it begins by, in the first year after it's put in place, we, we go to a place where we guarantee 90% of the bond that's issued on their behalf or the bonds that's issued, that are issued on their behalf, and then 80% and then 70%. And what you're going to be able to see, Kevin, is a differential between that portion of the bond that's being sold that is guaranteed by the federal government and that percentage that is not. And I think what it'll do is give us some, some market signals. In the interim, we're going to be building back uh, uh, the private sector uh, into the mortgage area by, by putting in place some standardizations, you know, reps and warranties that can be counted on, underwriting that can be counted on, really building back the to-be-announced, the TBA market, back in behind Fannie and Freddie as they continue to be a lesser and lesser part of what's happening in, in the mortgage arena. So I really do think the bill is, is, is thoughtful. I think what it will do is, is create confidence uh, by, by private investors into the mortgage finance arena. And uh, um, so, again, I think the way to make it work is we've got to build back that confidence. We've got to build back the structure so that people are buying. When they're buying these bonds, they know what they're buying. Right. And then it also, it also the, many of the tools that Fannie and Freddie have at their disposal now will be, will be made available to the public. Well, you know that's that's very good news, and I, I like the the language in your in your bill about QRM. And let me just ask you: um, the QRM has been debated for several months now, and how it is that we define what qualified residential mortgage means. And there's been some you know some back and forth about whether that's a twenty percent down or whether that's ten percent down. Um, you're proposing just a straight five percent down with standardized underwriting, full documentation loans, correct? 
That's correct. I mean, the way the qualified residential mortgage uh, provision that was in Dodd-Frank ended up being written, uh, it's a minimum 20% down payment, and I'm all for, uh, you know, getting down payments up from where they are with standard at, what, 3.5% today with, with FHA. But I think what we've done, that the qualified residential mortgage has ended up being, the way it's written, far more complex than I think anyone in the housing arena ever thought it was going to be. And so what our bill does is just put in place some standard, practical underwriting that, again, can be counted on. And, you know, you've got to show ability to pay. But uh, I think it's a much more streamlined way to look at mortgages. And I think, again, those people who are buying the bonds that are created by pooling of mortgages, uh, they'll they'll know that they can count on the credit that's behind it and the underwriting that's taking place. Well, and you know that there. Let's just look back at history because you know from about 2003 to about 2006, a lot of these um, problem loans were coming from the basically the the private sector. Essentially, we had a lot of subprime loans being sold into Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, and you know once we got a handle on that sub prime debacle and we had those loans out of our streamline. I mean, delinquency rates are, are certainly not perfect, but they're pretty wet, pretty back to historic normal levels. Uh, I'm not proposing that we don't reform Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. It certainly needs to be done. But a company like ours, Mortgage Investors Group, you know, what can you tell us and other lenders around the country like us, you know, what's going to happen when we don't have this uh, liquidity being provided by uh, Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae? You know, I know that you've talked to investors and mortgage investors and people that buy these mortgage-backed securities, and you've been able to get the pulse of what they need to know to get back into the market. But what can you tell us? We have 227 employees here locally, you know, that we're not going to be affected by any type of drastic change over the next 10 years. How how are we going to be assured of that? Well, I think the, the way the bill's crafted, Kevin, again, it, it begins to quickly give market signals so you can see the disparity between the government, government guarantee portion and the part that's not government guaranteed. And you're going to be able to see what the spreads are uh, between you know, the, again, the government portion, the part the part that's guaranteed by the government, and the parts that are not. And I think that as you move down that spectrum, and instead of saying waking up tomorrow and Fannie and Freddie are gone, uh, you're going to have this continuum that you're working down. And I think as if we see anomalies that are developing, we'll be able to adjust and and change the way in which we're doing it. We actually we actually give the head of FHFA. The ability to, to you know let the let the government guarantee be horizontal or let it be vertical. I mean, there are things that can happen as we move ahead, so that we know whether whether the private sector is moving in or not. So again, I think it's a very pragmatic approach. If people at entities like yours are beginning to see that there are problems developing, that there is the lack of liquidity that you're talking about then we'll have the ability to make adjustments, and we can see that as we're moving down and away from this uh, situation where there's so much uh, government guarantee yeah. taking place. I mean, you know, Fannie and Freddie are over 90% of the market today. I think that's far greater than anyone has ever anticipated. There are loans that are being made 
uh, at levels that are above what their ceiling is today at 625. So I really do think that, again, um, this allows us to, to let the market mature and develop on the private side, fill in back behind uh, Fannie and Freddie as they diminish. And, and my sense is they're going to be private sector entities that uh, over time will develop uh, insurance uh, provided in that way. There may be entities that pool together. I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of developments that will occur as their footprint diminishes. But again, this this bill allows that to happen. And again, if we see signals where, you know, this is just not working, we'll have the ability to make adjustments. Yeah. Now, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to spend with me. And I know that you've got work to do. I just have one kind of last question. Um, you know, you want to add transparency, you want to change and fix some of the infrastructure problems. You know, the fact is that, you know, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are, you know, they have about $5 trillion worth of assets on their books, and they're going to have another trillion after this year. And, you know, the problem is, is that we have three American banks that basically make up about 60% of the entire market. So, you know, what I'm worried about, you know, is that, you know, just like, you know, some of the other legislation that's come down that has hurt companies like ours, I'm just very concerned about that happening to companies like our company. So, I mean, this is, this is the question. Um, when you do begin to get the market feedback, you know, what type of communication can we and other lenders um, give to you about, you know, what our issues are? Do we need to go through the Mortgage Bankers Association? Can we go directly to you um, as you're beginning to get feedback? Well, first of all, just in this part of the process, you know, we've put a marker down, Kevin, to begin uh, moving away. Even your entity, I know, which is highly you know, what Fannie what and Freddie are doing with y'all right now is very relevant to your business. And yet, I think you would say, look, our dependence there is far greater than it should be. I mean, this, this is a model that cannot continue. So even as we move ahead with this bill, this is a marker. I know there's going to be uh, changes that people are going to want to talk about. Um, I'm sure that people are going to want to try to see if there's not some other type of backstop that might take place. That's not my preference. But we've laid a marker down to show how you can gradually move away. So first of all, there'll be the input there as the legislation uh, begins to move through a committee and begins to you know, make its way to the Senate and House floor, certainly through the Mortgage Bankers Association and other entities, that input, looking at the bill, seeing what you think some of the problems uh, or unintended consequences might be on the front end, we certainly have love to have that input. We'll, then, we'll provide it. The bills, actually, if the bill's implemented, then you'd have, you know, the FHFA administrator who, you know, would be would be your constant uh, source of communication and discussion. But obviously, uh, you know, I hope I'm still on the banking committee if that occurs. And, and so either through our office uh, or through the, the regulators, which you would typically be dealing with anyway. Well, I, I, I really appreciate you spending the time with me. And, you know, there was a Reuters report, and I'm going to end it on this, where the banks are, you know, $35 billion in the third quarter. I just want the playing field to be even for all parties that are involved in helping people to, you know, buy a home. And I think that I feel good about where you stand on most things. And so, again, uh, Senator Corker, thank you for stopping by and speaking to me. And you have a happy Thanksgiving. Well, Kevin, let me say this. I okay. think the concern that you raise is valid. And 
and I, I don't mean just as it relates to this bill, but if you look at what's happened since Dodd-Frank was passed, we've had even greater consolidation uh, in the banking world, and the largest institutions in our con- country are controlling even more of the assets of our country. So I think everything That's we scary. can do to, to keep too much concentration, both on the servicing side, uh, but also just in the general banking area, is a good thing for our country, and I appreciate you discussing that and raising that issue, and I look forward to talking with you as you move ahead. I think you know that in everything we do, we we want it to work. We want it to be pragmatic. We're not out trying to message something or send a signal to a particular political base. We want to create some solutions that will work and work for our country and certainly not cause our taxpayers to unduly be on the hook for things that they shouldn't be on the hook for. But organizations like yours and companies like yours are the kind of folks that we talk with for that input. And I certainly appreciate your time on the radio and look forward to talking further as this progresses. Well said, Senator. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And again, have a happy Thanksgiving and I'll hopefully talk to you soon. Thanks a lot, sir. I appreciate it. And we're going to go to break, and we just appreciate Senator Corker. Uh, You are listening to The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, presented by Mortgage Investors Group. We'll be right back. East Tennessee's choice for Fox News Radio, 100.3 WNOX. At Title Associates of Knoxville, we are all about you. You, the buyer, the seller, the real estate agent, or the lender. Hi, I'm Sue Benson, owner of Title Associates. In today's real estate market, it is more important than ever to have a title company with experience, a company you can trust, and one that conducts business with you in mind. Our staff has been serving Knoxville and surrounding counties for over 20 years with timely, attentive service. We are constantly updating and re-educating ourselves to ensure the best possible service to our customers. At Title Associates, we are proud to be a part of this community, a community that has remained positive during the downturn of the economy and a community that will recover with an even stronger real estate market. If you're buying, selling, or refinancing, our staff promises to make your closing a pleasant one. If you're a real estate agent looking for excellent customer service, give us a call, 777-1040, or visit our website at tanox.com. Title Associates, your choice and the right choice. In November, a portion of Title Associates' closing fees are donated to Second Harvest food bank. When it's time to buy a home or take advantage of terrific refinancing options, put your trust in Tennessee's leading independent mortgage lender for over 20 years. With 15 locations in the state of Tennessee, Mortgage Investors Group offers a diversified line of products and takes a consultative approach to the lending process that ensures each loan fits your individual needs. For more information, call toll-free 800-489-8910 or visit MIGonline.com. Mortgage Investors Group, your home loan solution, serving Tennessee for the past 22 years. Tennessee Mortgage License Number 726. Mortgage Investors Investors Group is an equal housing lender. Here's your WNO exclusive weather forecast brought to you by the David Posey Show. All things real estate, Sundays from 2 to 4 p.m. on WNOX. Knoxville and surrounding areas for your Saturday, you can expect partly cloudy skies, high temperatures near 64 degrees. There's going to be a 20% chance of showers for you. Southeast Kentucky for your Saturday, afternoon showers and 64 degrees for your high temperature, but take the umbrella with you. There's a 70% chance of rain. 
Weather brought to you by the David Posey team. A main channel lakefront property with a 3,600 square foot house with a swimming pool. Only $329,000. Call David Posey, 862-8520. Details at auctionknoxville.com. That's 862-8520 or auctionknoxville.com. Keller Williams Realty. Each office is independently owned and operated. Keeping you informed, we're 100.3 WNOX. WNOX News Talk 100.3. Find us on Facebook. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Okay, and welcome back to the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, presented by Mortgage Investors Group. You can find Mortgage Investors Group at migonline.com. That's migonline.com. Been around since 1989, so they've been in this market for a long time. If you need to look at purchasing or refinancing, or if you have the need to just kind of get some consultation on what's going on with your mortgage, uh, give them a call. We uh, we do a lot of mortgages. We're the number one independent lender in the entire state. We're the number one independent VA lender in the state, FHA lender. We also have been the number one first-time homebuyer program, the THDA program, for eight years in a row. And that's just since they've been keeping records. It's been going long, a lot longer than that. Anyway, thank you for coming back. And uh, it is uh, currently third and 12, uh, currently in the Kentucky-Tennessee game, and Kentucky has the ball. Um, we got to pull this thing out. So, um, for those Tennessee fans that are listening, thank you. Uh, I'm sure you've got the game on DVR. So, uh, anyway, we have a very special guest getting ready to come in. And just to tell you how I know him, um, he actually was on a panel uh, at the Home Builders, or the, I'm sorry, the the Tennessee Housing uh thing that we did in Nashville. For some reason, the, the name can't come to me for some reason, but he did a great job just kind of resetting for us what it is that we needed to understand about, you know, appraisers philosophy and the rules that they have to follow and that people who are complaining about appraisers need to really kind of readjust their, their thought process because it's not the appraiser's fault. You know, certainly there's some appraisers that are better than others, but this particular issue that people have with refinances, oh, the appraiser can't get my value, or these purchases, oh, the appraiser can't get my value. Well, here's the deal. If the value's not there, there's a reason why. And, you know, there is, we can look at the appraisal and look at it and see if there is maybe a reason why the appraiser didn't do this or he didn't do that. But most of the time, what I'm seeing, I'm seeing that, you know, the appraiser's done a pretty good job. And it's just that, you know, right now housing is down and we don't have the, the, the same sales that maybe we had in 2006. I think that's an understatement. But his name is Randy Thomas. And he's also, uh, on, he's the Tennessee State Representative for the National Appraisal Committee. So I thought I'd bring him in and talk a little housing with him. Um, Randy, do I have you? Yeah, I'm here. Hey, man, uh, thank you so much for joining me. Did you hear my little intro? Yeah, I did. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you for coming in. And you're an appraiser, correct? Yes. Yeah. And how long have you been doing appraisals? 26 years. Okay. And so you've seen it all? Uh, yeah, I lived through the 18%, 20% interest, yeah. Yeah, back in, I guess, the late 70s and 80s and even uh -huh. some. So so as first, let's kind of start off the conversation about what it is that you do as the Tennessee State Representative for the National Appraisal Committee. Well, we meet twice a year. Um once in D.C. and then once somewhere else. I just got back 
about two weeks ago from Anaheim, California. And what we do is try to discuss the issues that are going on, the problems that appraisers are having, uh, the problems that realtors are having with appraisers. And we try to come up with some kind of logical answer. Um, whether we do or not, I'm really not sure anymore. Like I said, I've been doing this 26 years, but our business has changed so much over the last three years that I'm really not sure I know what I'm doing. <laughs> right. I, I know. And there's a lot of people that feel that way. And, you know, uh-huh. lenders feel that way. Now, the Tennessee Housing Summit last month was the Governor's Housing Summit put right. on by THDA. Uh, Mortgage Investors Group was a gold sponsor. And you were there as a, a panelist um, with some other distinguished guests. And, you know, I think that the thing that I really heard from you was, you know, look, guys, you know, the appraisers aren't always at fault. Sometimes there are other issues. Talk a little bit about, I don't want to say your frustration, but, you know, talk about, you know, what it is that you have to do when you're doing a refinance. You don't even know what value they need, right? I mean, tell me what, right. what you, what's the process that you go through? Well, you get the order assignment, and first thing, I really don't want to know a value that anybody needs sure. because property is worth what it's worth. Um, and then we do our research and our verification and our inspection of the property, and then we try to basically weigh apples against apples and say if your house is this big with this many square feet with this many bedrooms in this area and these other ones have sold, um, then we'll, we're able to come up with a range of values. What I heard you say a while ago about 2006 and today is, is exactly true. We have to use comparable sales. that These are sales that have already occurred. Right. Now, typically an appraiser is not supposed to use a foreclosed sale or a short sale or an REO, and that REO means it's a bank-owned property. And... and <clears throat> Unfortunately, there are times when we're not able to document if a property that has sold is one of those three things, and an appraiser may inadvertently um, stick that property in, which causes your property value to be lowered. Right, and that's not your fault. (laughs) Well, the verification sometimes is extremely difficult. Uh, People really don't want to give us a lot of their personal information. I can't say that I blame them. But um, when a realtor is putting it on on an MLS sheet, you know we'd like to know if it's a if it's a foreclosure, if it's a short sale, if it's an REO, and that helps us eliminate that as a comparable sale. Now that's a very good point because that is one of the things that I've taken back to my company and the, some of the loan officers that work with us, and and I'm sure some of them knew this and it wasn't news to them. But you know, like you were just mentioning, you know, sometimes you know the wrong comp is used, that's and correct. and I mean especially with the amount of disconnect now between the loan officer and the appraiser, you know, sometimes, and even, you know, for that matter, the realtor, you guys can't freely talk to the realtors either, but sometimes that comp that was mistakenly put in there, you know, just flies under the radar screen. And that's what, when it falls back on the lender to due diligence, you're doing your assessment of value, but that doesn't mean that the the loan officer and the, uh, the underwriter don't still need to look over the appraisal for for accuracy and you know if there is one that slid under the radar you know there's it's all about communication you know and we can still come back to you and say hey look you know what randy you know this one was a short sale this one was you know and maybe you just missed it sure well i've never done an appraisal cut in stone um so i would suggest that anybody if you heard you mention refis if you're if you're doing a refi um, and you have a question about the appraisal, don't be afraid to question it. Um, <laughs> appraisers have pretty thick skin by now. 
So sure we'll go back do. and relook at things, um, provided what you're giving us or what, in, what you're asking us to relook at is a legitimate item. Or if you come back and say, you know, you didn't mention that this was a foreclosure, but it is, and here's the documentation to show it, I don't have a problem at all taking that out and, and using another one if it's something that I missed. And there's also, I think, a misconception, too, that the customer can't question something on the appraisal. Now, I had a lot of customers that did not realize that that was, you know, not something that you you don't need to do because it is something that you should do. I mean, you know, I had customers all the time, you know, we have to send a copy of the appraisal or, you know, I said, look, the value came in low. You know, I I mean, there, you know, in going back to that whole communication thing, when a borrower does have an issue with the appraisal, you know, there's a good chance that they're they found something that's actually true and and you guys don't have any problem you know saying you know what i missed that or i didn't have that information right right and as long as that we didn't have the information at the time when we did the appraisal there's no problem in adjusting the appraisal one of the greatest problems we have though and you're probably well aware of kevin is a typical homeowner thinks their house is worth more than it is and we we've all gotten into the to the mentality to where real estate values always appreciate and like i say over the last three or four years that's kind of changing well and you know that kind of is a good segue into my next line of questions because you know we talked on that you guys talked on that panel you know about what it's going to take to get this housing market back to not where it was in 2006 but an actual housing market there was some panelists that suggested that there isn't even a housing market right now Mm -hmm. but um you know what do you see as being the silver bullet? I mean, consumer confidence is huge, but what do you think that has to happen? Maybe from a national perspective, you know, my what I d- have done as a part of the solution is to start this radio show and to talk to people about the positive things that are out there. The fact sure. is the home prices for home, you know, mortgages are, the rates are very low. The market, there's a lot of homes available, give you, you know, a nice selection. So talk to me about your feelings about that. And, and are you positive? Oh yeah. I'm a very positive thinker. I don't like to look on the gloom and doom of, of things. Um, consumer confidence is probably going to be the main thing. Um, because like you said, money is, our interest rate is very low right now, probably historically low. The abundance of the inventory that's out there is more than it's ever been. Um, so the thing that, that people are worried about is, yes, I can borrow the money, and yes, I can make the payment, but do I have a job next week in order to make that payment? That's one of the greatest things. The Absolutely. other thing um, is that there's plenty of plenty of houses out there to look at, so it's a buyer's market. If anybody was, was going to buy, I would suggest you just go ahead and get in there now. Um, I don't... I've heard the uh, statement that that uh, residential housing is is not the what well, not the silver bullet, but not all it's cracked up to be anymore. And I just I disagree with that. I think I think um, single owning a single family residence is critical to our country overall because home ownership uh, makes for better communities, makes for for safer communities, it makes for stronger communities, it makes. It's it's shown um, the National Association of Realtors shows where um, home ownership has has caused uh, student grades to go up. So there's a lot of advantages to owning a house. Besides that, it's something that's yours, and and you are building equity, even though we're we're not building it at a rate like you said we were in 2006. And 
truth be known, we're probably never going to be back to where we were in 2006. Well, I couldn't have said it better myself because that is exactly the way I feel. And that was very, very well said. Well, Randy, we've run out of time right now, but thank you so much for for joining me. And I'd like to maybe even have you back uh, in the future so that we can talk through this some more because I learned a lot about what it is that you guys do. And and maybe if you can come back, I'd really appreciate it sometime in the future. Sure, I'd be glad to. All right. Just let me know. All right. Thanks, Randy. Uh, Man, this is the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray presented by Mortgage Investors Group. We'll be right back and we're going to take your calls. It's 865-243-TALK. Call me or email me at kevin at kevinray.com. We'll be right back. East Tennessee's home for Fox News Radio, 100.3 WNOX. When choosing a company to handle your home financing, you want a great rate and someone you can trust. Tennesseans turn to Mortgage Investors Group, named Tennessee's number one THDA lender eight years running. Homegrown right here in the Volunteer State and with 15 Tennessee locations, Mortgage Investors Group takes a consultative approach to the lending process, finding a program specific to your needs. For more information, call toll-free 800-489-8910 or visit MIGonline.com. Mortgage Investors Group, your home loan solution, serving Tennessee for the past 22 years. Tennessee Mortgage License Number 726. Mortgage Investors Group is an equal housing lender. When Chrissy Ray and Chuck Tonkin founded Mortgage Investors Group in 1989 with a team of seven, the idea was simple. Help people realize the American dream. 22 years later, Mortgage Investors Group was the number one independent lender in the state of Tennessee. They've served over 60,000 clients, over $9 billion in loans, which means a lot of American dreams have been realized. But they've kept the small personal feel of a hometown company. And their people... They are advisors, not just loan officers. Right now, mortgage rates are at a historic low, and Mortgage Investors Group can help you realize your American dream. Call today. They'll help you. 865-691-8910 or MIGonline.com. With six area offices, there's a Mortgage Investors Group near you. Go to MIGonline.com for the one near you. 691-8910. Mortgage Investors Group, an equal housing lender. Visit MIG online.com and realize your American dream today. When choosing a company to handle your home financing, you want a great rate and someone you can trust. Tennesseans turn to Mortgage Investors Group, named Tennessee's number one THDA lender eight years running. Homegrown right here in the Volunteer State and with 15 Tennessee locations, Mortgage Investors Group takes a consultative approach to the lending process, finding a program specific to your needs. For more information, call toll-free 800-489-8910 or visit MIGonline.com. Mortgage Investors Group, your home loan solution, serving Tennessee for the past 22 years. Tennessee Mortgage License Number 726. Mortgage Investors Group is an equal housing lender. This is Matt Hinkin, Chief Meteorologist for WATE6. We know that life happens on 100.3 WNOX, and we also know that severe weather can happen at any time in East Tennessee. Now, the WATE6 Storm Team has joined forces with WNOX to bring you live, up-to-date severe weather coverage. When the weather gets bad, the team gets stronger. Listen for live 6 Storm Team severe weather updates on 100.3 WNOX. Life happens on America's biggest talker, 100.3 WNOX. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back to the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, presented by Mortgage Investors Group. And talk about a bad call that Tennessee just got in the Kentucky game. They said there was no definitive evidence of a fumble. I mean, I'm not sure what game they were watching. I glanced up for just a minute as I was talking to Randy. I'm just... 
I'm absolutely astonished. But anyway, let's 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 move on from that. Um, for the last ten minutes or so here, we're going to take your phone calls. It's eight six five two four three talk. And that's 865-243-TALK. It's pound 100, free call for U.S. Sailor customers. Um, or you can email me if you're shy, don't want to come on the air. I've already got three or four email questions. Um, so it's kevin at kevinray.com. Um, the first question is from James here in Knoxville. And James wants to know about credit credit reports and credit scores. Uh, James asks, how is my credit score actually created? So I assume what he's asking is how what goes into a credit score. And, you know, we talked with Senator Corker at the beginning of the show about Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, and that's where we're getting our money for mortgages. Let there not be any mistake about that. You know, and credit score is a vital part of how we get you money. How it is that we're able to lend you money is that you have to have a certain credit score. The credit score requirements have changed significantly over the last three years. And that's one of the things that was done, you know, post-2008 to try to kind of stabilize the housing market. They needed the loans to be good loans. And one of the ways they did that is they jacked up what you had to have as far as a credit score. Now, what's interesting is that they actually, in doing that, they actually were... um, they cause some pricing issues for people with maybe what you would think is a pretty good credit score, like a 700 credit score. If you're putting only 10% down with a 700 credit score, you're going to have a higher rate than somebody with a 720 credit score putting the same amount of money down. So that's what's kind of interesting is that they did something that actually cost the consumer more money. But to answer James' question, James, um, and thanks for, for shooting that question to me, um, how you make your payments is going to be a a majority of how it is that they are able to determine your credit score. If you have a credit card and you've made some late payments, then what's going to happen is that they're going to deduct points from your credit score and your credit score, the top end is an 850. So if you're making bad payments, you're going to take away from that. Then if you have a late on your mortgage, they're going to take away from that. If you have a collection, they're going to take away from that. Before you know it, you got a 620 credit score, or let's say a 619. It's going to be tough to get you a mortgage. So for those of you that are questioning about credit and how it is that you, you know, come up with your credit score, you know, at the end of the day, you need to have, if you have credit, you don't want to max out your cards because that's going to reduce your credit score significantly. So if you have a credit card, if you have those down below 50% of the actual highest credit limit, that's going to help your credit score. So those are just some couple of little tidbits. Um, and, and you know what? I'd be happy to answer any more questions for you too at 691-8910. If you want to call me there tomorrow, you can email me any more questions about credit score. But we actually have someone from Andersonville, Ken from Andersonville. We're going to bring him in. Uh, hey, Ken, this is Kevin Ray with the Housing Hour. What's your question? Hey, I appreciate you taking my call. Interesting show today, no doubt. Thanks. Um, I think. I had a question, and I've only noticed this on uh, two houses that I have purchased in the past, but there seems to be quite a disconnect between the appraised value for retail purposes and the tax value. Sure. I didn't know whether or not the tax uh, assessor actually used an independent appraiser or if there was a reason for that and uh, was interested in your perspective. Yeah, so you're saying that you have you had an appraisal done um, from an appraiser, and then your assessed value from the courthouse is different. Yes, and, and it was off by perhaps as much as 10 or 15 percent. Yeah. Well, first of all, the courthouse is lagging in their appraisal. So you get you get an assessment, and the assessment is done basically every four years. So you're really not even seeing current market values. And, you know, there was a huge storm of 
you know, complaints when Knox County, although everybody's homes were going down in value, all of a sudden, you know, we got the new assessments and I about died when I saw mine. The the assessment was much higher than what it right. was now. So I think that they're looking at, you know, and, and also think about it in terms of intrinsic value and market value, because the home, just the cost approach for the sticks, you know, for the mortar, for the nails, for all the things that go into it is going to be a certain value because it just, that's what the cost of goods are. And then a mortgage company if they're doing an appraisal to support the value that you stated or if a purchase, what the sales contract is, they're going to have to look at the, the, the market. So what has, been, what has been sold in the last 12 months? And they lean towards the last six months, frankly. Um, so if there's homes that have sold for less than maybe what you know the courthouse suggests that the value is, well, the courthouse is not going to be able to catch up that quick. They're going to see, oh, okay, well, the market is down and your mortgage appraisal is going to be a lot less, but that's just because the homes are not selling or they're selling for a lot less. Does that make sense? It does. It does. I wondered whether or not you have the option of getting an independent appraiser and taking it, uh, taking that appraisal to the courthouse within the four-year period such that you don't have to wait for the next uh, formal appraiser by the county. Well, you know what? You, you can do that. You can actually, um, once your assessment comes in, what you can do is you can come in there and, and you can actually go to the board down there somewhere and, and say, hey, what? look, this is not correct. You know, here's what the facts are. Here's what some of the, you know, points are that I see is why you're wrong. But see, you know what, Ken, a lot of people went and did that and they didn't win because they were outside of that time limit after they assess your house because you only have a certain amount of time each year to do that. So, and I, didn't that. And, I, and I think it's June. You know what? I'll have to double check on that. If you want to send me an email at Kevin at KevinRay.com, and that's R-H-E-A, I can find out when it is that you can go in there and complain and try to get it fixed. But see, a lot of people wanted to go in because they felt like the assessed value was too high and they wanted to get their taxes lower. So, right. That's Situation I'm in as well. Okay. Well, that's what you should probably do is to email me. I'll find out when that is, and then what we'll do is we'll we'll try to see if we can help you. Now, um, you pretty happy with your interest rate and everything? Oh yeah, no, it's all that's fine. Good. It's well, just uh, kind of fine tuning this. Well, good because that's one thing right now is that for some people who have a six percent interest rate, they can get a rate down at four percent. Well, we're talking about two percentage points difference and, you know, it's gonna save people a significant amount of money. And then in addition to going in and talking to the assessor about the value change, it could really save people a lot of money. But you know what? Thanks so much, Kim, for your call. I really appreciate it. I appreciate your time. Absolutely. I have one more question here and this is coming from Carrie in Oak Ridge and, and I only have about a minute but I'll try to get through it. Her question is where do I go to get a purchase of a home? I'm assuming that she wants to know where she goes to get pre-qualified, I think. And, you know, certainly we are a lender. Mortgage Investors Group has been been here since 1989. We do purchases. We do refinances. And, you know, if you have someone that you've used in the past and you've just been loyal to them forever, I'm not here to try to say, well, yeah, I am actually kind of. So if you wanted to come to MIGonline.com and you could go there and you could, you know, say apply online, then a trusted advisor is going to call you back and they're going to go over with you the information that you've inputted. Now, frankly, you could also call 691-8910. We're being heard all across East Tennessee into even other states. If you call 691-8910, 
I can go ahead and get you linked up with the person that's closest to you. We have 15 locations in Tennessee from Memphis to the Tri-Cities and everywhere in between. So we can meet any needs that you have. And we want you to know that we're not just loan officers. We are advisors. And we're here to take you through the process and help you to understand what it is that we're talking about. You know, I know that the show today was about Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. I wanted to get that on the air. But, you know, next week we're going to do pretty much an all-call-in show. So we're going to talk about things that, you know, are going on in your life what's going on with your situation with you know your questions that you have for a purchase or for a refinance because that's what i'm here for i want to be able to answer those in a way that you can understand them and articulate to you what it is that you need to know so again we've come to the end of the show thank you so much for joining me tennessee just scored on a long touchdown pass we got to get the ball back this is the housing hour with kevin ray thanks for joining me mortgage investors group That's the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and the why not. You need to know, so come here to find out. This program is presented by Mortgage Investors Group.